Welcome to In Scripture Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us while we dive into Scripture to dissect God's Word verse by verse. Listen with us and don't forget to leave us questions and feedback as we journey through His Word. Welcome back. It's good to be back, guys. Boy, it's been a while. For real. Our soundboard got a little dusty. <laughs> I had to come in here earlier and clean everything up. Well, it's not our fault. Alex. You guys decided to have another kid. So. Yeah. Yeah. No one forced you into that. You know, you prioritize, Society, <laughs> prioritize your ministries, please. I, I heard I heard you had a covenant with your friend. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Actually, it's called a pact. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we did. We decided to have kids at the same time and uh, well, his was a month earlier than mine, so they beat us by a whole month. <laughs> Dang. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to know something cool? We just realized that we're about to hit two years of doing this podcast. I thought you I was, say we're about to have a kid. I, know. I, was, like, <laughs> I was ready. To I was like, yes. I'm not going to announce it like this. Come on. <laughs> the three of our listeners don't need to know. I mean, we're talking about that, and you're like, you guys want to know something? What else are we supposed to think? <laughs> Well, you guys will ramble on about your kids forever, so I figured let's let's just segue. Let's keep moving. Yeah, again, it's not this is not dads talking about dad. But congratulations on your two years of this podcast. It's great, actually. Yeah, no, your two years being married. Right? So, Mark, you bring oh, this that, up, but that was like two months ago, man. That was a while ago. So, Mark, you bring Already? this up. Dang. Um, September tenth was the first episode released. That's Saturday. publicly. Saturday will be September tenth. Yeah, and so we're two days out. Well, two days off a little bit from two years from our first episode. Guys, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, it, the the hardest part has been, um, I think everybody can agree, is obviously consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, meeting on a weekly basis sounds easy, but it really isn't, um, especially when all the individuals have a family that relies on them, things that rely on them, businesses, jobs, everybody's busy. And so for us to come together, I think once a week, and we've been we've been pretty good. There was during the holidays we slowed down a little bit. Um, we slowed down a little bit recently due to new additions to families. So, um, but this is episode eighty-two. Um, we're almost at a hundred. So I didn't think it would take us two years to get a hundred. It's actually a lot slower than that. I time. mean, we would have been at a hundred because fifty-two weeks in a year. We yeah. Been, yeah. But yeah, since we took off a few times. I mean, last year we kind of had this summer break, sort <laughs> of, and I guess with all the babies happening. It was kind of our break. Yeah. And we're really thankful for those who listen on. Um, we know that people do listen. There is numbers behind everything. We're not going to share the numbers publicly, but that's it's, how big it's more than 20. So <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Half of that is our spouse. And um, no, a lot of the, still doesn't listen. a lot of our older episodes actually get a lot of listens. So a, a lot of our first episodes are in the hundreds past that, just growing people. I think people either start from, you know, See, that's scratch. weird because whenever I come across someone, like some new podcast station, I always listen to the most recent episodes yeah, yeah. first. Yeah. And, and if I like it, I might go back. Yeah, and that's interesting. Know. That's interesting because I think we have this mindset because we record one. So we know our best materials probably are our most recent. Maybe Maybe people don't, I don't know. But I always tell people when I talk about them, about podcasts, I always say, be very 
not judgmental of our first content. <laughs> yeah. We were we were very new to the to the to the podcast world and well, for maybe us, maybe our new content sucks then. If they like our old stuff, we need to go back maybe. to how we were. Or I think <laughs> back to people, the roots. <laughs> people want to listen uh some people just want to listen in order of all the stuff we did. Who knows? You never know. But I will say like our older episodes are definitely um always they're always ahead mm-hmm. in the number count and that and it takes it actually takes if you track it it takes a good month for your most recent episode to actually get to its full um full average listener rate so it's it's pretty interesting how, how all that works but either way we're not we're not here for numbers uh we're here to talk about god's word and we firmly believe that whoever god needs to listen to anything that we talk about from his word he'll make it happen so we're not out here worrying about mm. who's who when and how we can grow and we're just we're just worried about how we can reach to more people i mean the the message you know god's word we want more people to hear it mm-hmm. but we leave portion of that to god obviously that's for him to handle for him to um expose and for us to kind of do what we do our job is to be faithful to the text yep Amen. all right guys so Cold open? In, yes, yes. In tradition with our usual cold opens, I have something to talk about because this is an... I've only been married for two years, but I'm realizing this is going to be a re- reoccurring issue come September every year. Kids? Because it is... No. <laughs> <laughs> because it is officially pumpkin spice season. Ooh. And my wife... Loves it? No, well, yeah, but like... What's the word like going against my commands? I gave her a specific start date that she can start doing the whole fall. Wow, you guys are very decoration and everything in the house. And I gave her September sixteenth. That's her birthday, and we have orange everywhere now. And it's been orange for already like three weeks in our house. And like every other day, it's like, oh, but this this little pumpkin looks really cute. And I'm like, babe, it's like 90 degrees outside. It's way too <laughs> you early. You know, it's still summer, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, like, when do you guys think fall starts? Because it's too hot to have like cute fall decoration in your house when you're still sweating the second you step outside. It starts you know? whenever your wife says it starts. <laughs> okay. Well, then. I Apart give. from Serge's answer, <laughs> I think your wife, from what I believe, she is partially from New England, kind of. Um, and so, so. She was there I, for like. Two hours. Yeah, but in up there, um, fall really does start late August, September because you feel the temperature start getting cold. Now it was very different when we moved down here because summer pretty much goes until November. October. October well, it's like hot. It's hot out probably until Dude, October, November. We were caroling in shorts before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's December twenty yeah. fourth. So we're caroling in shorts. Come on. So it's a very it's it's much delayed. Um but I'll go with Serge's answer. I don't really keep track of that, but I do. I do. It does make me feel a little bit uh, down when all this fall stuff starts going up because I, I that tells me that summer is over and summer is my favorite time of the year. Because you're a landscaper. Yeah, and uh, I really like I really like being outdoors during the summer, especially. And so when you're telling me that it's fall, I'm thinking oh, it's gonna start getting chilly out. Well, and- you're fine. Just don't listen to my wife about that stuff because you you still got a lot of time of heat outside. So don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, same thing with Christmas. Right, Thanksgiving after has Turkey Day. No, no, no. Before Turkey Day, <laughs> our, our tree was it's, up before Thanksgiving. It's gotta be wow. up for Turkey Day because all the family's coming for Turkey Day. So it's like you know, 
Same thing with Christmas. You know, it's funny. We have turkey for Christmas as well. Do you ever do that? Because that's like the easiest thing to cook. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of turkey, if we're going to be honest. I mean, I'll, I'll have it a couple times a year too, but I, I don't need it. I, honestly, once for Thanksgiving is more than It enough. tastes like dried chicken. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it tastes like if chicken you don't dry. It, if you don't marinate it right, you got to like... Really no, my, my mom-in-law makes some... Get it under turkeys. the skin and, and the meat yeah. injected and everything. And then you got to make sure you don't overbake it. But yeah, I know because my, my family does... My side of the family does that same. They cook turkey more than once a year because it's the easiest thing to cook. It's you get 30 pounds of meat in one go without you having to stand over a hot grill. And you mm. always have leftovers. And you always have leftovers. So it's it, I definitely see why it's the easiest option. But yeah, just whenever your wife says it's fall, it's fall. Even if she says it's summertime on December 25th, <laughs> it is summer season. <laughs> maybe maybe the one making all the rules should be your wife, not you. Yeah. Wouldn't well, life be easier? I just like to pretend like I'm, I have a say. <laughs> you do. You I'll, clearly don't because she ain't listening. You have a say. It just doesn't mean it's worth much. <laughs> just nobody, <laughs> nobody hears it. <laughs> You're allowed an opinion, but that's all it's going to be. Uh, that's funny. <clears throat> we are covering a topic today that I was not super, not that I wasn't aware of it. I knew that this was like, I've read this passage before and we just realized today again, as we were like kind of preparing for this episode, we realized that we had already covered Noah, but this particular passage, I think we touched on the first couple of verses that we're going to read, but the bulk of it, we didn't discuss. So this is actually gonna be something different, but just this topic of covenants, it's, <sighs> To me, it's kind of a, to me, it just screams Old Testament soundy things. Like, do you know what I mean? Like if you're one of those people who kind of avoids the Old Testament, that almost sounds intimidating to you. And I think part, part of that reason is because some of them are staged, like the one we're reading today is kind of staged in this setting of God and this historical figure. And they're having this, dialogue, but it's not really a dialogue because it's mostly just God imparting his covenant because it's from him. But to me, my question for you guys is why is this something that we should pay attention to? Why is why is this something that should have focus given to it? Why is it important? I understand not everything we read in scripture has to be 100% relatable to us like immediately in a practical way. Like sometimes lessons are just lessons and that's that's what it is or, or history is just history but what is so important about these covenants and in particular the one that we're going to be reading today yeah i would just in simple terms i'll just say just like you said the meaning of the text most of the time is not relatable to us however we can definitely apply the principles the concepts the teachings behind it in our everyday lives and when you think of covenants uh, the most uh, straightforward answer to that is that God is faithful and he wants to bless us without us having to do anything, without expecting us to do anything or requiring us to do anything because he loves us. In simple terms, that's kind of what a covenant is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to go along with what you said, when we look at Genesis in general, um, anytime you read Genesis, you have to think foundation. So Genesis is the ultimate foundation to the rest of Scripture. Everything, how everything started, and when God really started interacting with um, His creation, humans, um, 
it's very important to study that, believe that word for word, and understand that it does. Genesis possesses us also a strong authority, just like any other book of the Bible does, right? Mm -hmm. And so when Serge mentioned here that, yes, every word will directly not maybe make full sense to us, that we can't take this application and fully go through with it. But at the same time, everything that God has chosen to tell Noah and promise to Noah still affects us to this Mm -hmm. day um, because the promise is fulfilled, the covenant is held, and nothing has been broken. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, that's, that's why it's important to kind of keep that in the back of your mind and go over it. Um, but what I really want to stress on why it's important is because God ultimately chose to do this. And what I want to understand is why, right? And I, I don't think we can ever fully understand precisely why God chose to do what he did, but we can tell from, from, from the Bible and from the way he does other things is that he has the love for his creation, Yes, he has all. He has grace for his creation, um, so he chooses to do certain things the way he does. Um, again, Noah was nobody special. There was nothing special about Noah, but no, he picked Noah, and he decided to do this with Noah. And actually, we see if you read further down, Noah does some very, and we talked about this before. Noah does some very interesting things mm-hmm. that end up happening. So it's not like, you know, Noah was carrying around like I, I I'm the only guy that can do this God just chose him to do through through him all of this so that's interesting to me too uh, I think those those things are important and foundational uh, let's go ahead and read the text yep. and then we'll talk about it uh, so we're gonna be reading from uh, Genesis chapter 9 verse 8 through 17 and uh, so our focus today is on the covenant so Genesis chapter 9 verse 8 then God said to Noah and to his sons with him. Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is the for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. So to kind of give an opening statement here, um, I want to start with, we started verse 9, and as for me, um, that kind of puts us back to verse 6 six and 7, because God uh, directly tells Noah certain things, right? And in verse 6 he says, Whoever sheds man's blood by man's by his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. So he kind of gives these, uh, verse 7 is more of a directive of Noah, go, be fruitful and multiply. It's it's a repetitive of what he commanded yeah. Adam and Eve. Yeah. Because honestly, it's really back to square one where he started, you know, almost a thousand years before or more before this. 
right, with Adam and Eve. There was two people, a man and a wife, one family, and he said, be fruitful, multiply. And um, yeah, and he also says that in, in verse one of chapter nine as well. So yeah. he does say, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. In fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth. And then God kind of goes into, um, you know, animals are now going to be killers, right? There's going to be animals that are going to be killing other animals and animals that are going to be killing humans. And he tells that uh, humans obviously um, don't kill other flesh, other humans, because we are a creation of God. And so he tells these things, verses 6 and 7, and then in verse um, verse 8, he speaks to Noah and his sons, and that's why he says in verse 9, and ask for me. So when he says, ask for me, we now step into uh, what God is going to do. Uh, God speaks from himself, what he's going to do, what his covenant is, and he says that I establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And one thing I want to touch on is it's Noah, his descendants, so all people after Noah, and one thing interesting that I didn't really pay attention to earlier was every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth that is with you, all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. So it's pretty cool that this covenant kind of includes everything. Mm-hmm. Living, yeah. With like you said, with every creature, the interesting part is, is like you said, God is the initiator here, not Noah, not his sons, not the creatures, but God is the one that's speaking here. No, Noah doesn't even respond or say anything. He's just there listening to all this, um, and so God takes the step, the initiative to establish this covenant. Uh, do you? Why do you think God wanted or needed to do this covenant? <laughs> and that's kind of brings <laughs> back to what I said in the beginning. Um, in my search in the text is is really what I want to understand is why God did this. Um, as far as I can understand right now, uh, coming from me, take it or leave it might not mean anything. Um, he counted it important to do this, and I think the reason is is he doesn't. Is wants to say that the waters of the flood will never destroy the earth again. Um, we know that before God uh, destroyed humanity uh, with the flood, um, when we read that, we can kind of see and understand that God God was angry at the sin. And it says that God repented, that he um, created humanity in general, right? And when we look at the word repented, it wasn't like a sinner comes and repents. Um, I think... Um, it was sorrow. Yeah, it's not that it he was, made a mistake. He right. was just sorrow that it turned out. Right. So we still see, obviously, there is mercy from God and grace from God because he still saves Noah, right? Mm-hmm. And his um, his sons. And so um, God just shows his love. It, and it shows, it shows here in the text and everything that happens with humanity, God is always there to help and to provide his love. So even here... God just tells him that I'm going to make a covenant with you um, because he wants He wants Noah, just like it says in verse 7, to be fruitful and multiply, to live abundantly in the earth. That's what God wants Noah to do. But in order for Noah to do that, God needs to get something straight from his side too. And he says that um, I will establish a covenant with all living things, all the creatures, that ultimately I won't destroy the world again mm-hmm. with a flood. I- uh, at the end of chapter eight, there's this, this little short passage, basically right after Noah and his family exit the ark and all the animals. 
Mm-hmm. It's almost like the first thing Noah does, or we don't know, maybe some time has passed, but as far as we're reading, the very next thing we read is, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. It's almost going along with what you're saying here, Alex. It's almost like in a weird, in a way that we don't understand, God almost came to the conclusion that destroying the earth doesn't really solve the problem here. Because as he says here, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. It's almost like the issue was the sin that was plaguing the earth. And this flood was intended to cleanse this earth of that plague. But in reality, it do, it didn't. It didn't solve anything because the real issue was within the heart of man, wasn't within the hearts of man. Like he says here that from the very from the very youth of our life, from the day that we're born, we're born into a sinful world. We're born as sinners and flooding the earth a thousand times wouldn't solve that problem. We still have that in, inherent sin inside of us. And I think for, you're saying like the why that we can't fully answer. Why? Maybe to prove how, how even the most extreme of extremes cannot do what Jesus does for us even the most insane thing that you can think of, a literal global flood cannot prevent us from being sinful humans. Only one thing can truly do that. And that's why it's, and that's why it perfectly explains why it's so important that it comes from God himself, because we as, as men would never have understood that. Noah didn't understand that. Like you said, Alex, very shortly thereafter, he's already messing up. Like he's already doing something that's questionable. So, it's really, it's showing God's understanding of how much we need his son to be able to truly find that sinless peace in our lives. Yeah. Um, honestly, you literally just said everything I wanted to say. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> the covenant, obviously it's, it's really more for us than God for God himself. Obviously, you know, it's, it's, we read that God's going to remember the covenant once he sees that bow. Obviously, you know, that's that's more for us. We're the ones that are gonna forget. God never forgets, right? Um, it's it's more of a play on words there. But it's ultimately just that. It's it's a sign for us to remind ourselves how depraved and sinful we are. And no matter how much wiping out and recreating of the earth you do, we are born sinners and we're gonna remain in sin. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that can really save us is Christ himself. And the whole story of Noah is a shadow of the cross and what Christ is gonna do, right? This first covenant is a shadow, is a foreshadow of all of that. Um, so it, it, there is significance to it. And I think that's that's probably why it's most important. It's really not just, just because God promised for himself, I'll never do this again. And he's gonna be faithful to the promise because he's been faithful thus far. And reading the scriptures, we know that he's gonna be faithful because ultimately, going forward that the earth is going to be destroyed by what? Fire. By fire, right? Not water, which is probably even more scarier. But, um, and ultimately the earth is going to be completely destroyed, not just burnt up and everything's going to start thriving again. No, it's going to be completely destroyed 
it's going to go back to nothingness like it originally was in Genesis 1. So, yeah, it's definitely a foreshadow of the things to come in the New Testament. So I'm glad you pointed that out, Mark. Yeah, you touched on the fire part. Um, there was a lot of... I was doing some community study on this, and there's uh, John Calvin wrote this thing. He said, Wherefore, relying on this promise, let us look forward to the last day in which the consuming fire shall purify heaven and earth. <laughs> he says this like, let us look forward to the last day. It's this like very interesting attitude. To, um, yes, God promised not to destroy by flood, but let us look forward to the day where the consuming fire shall I mean, if, if you really think about it, you know, the Lord's day, it's the day that all Christians look forward to because... It's true. Yeah. We know that that day we're going to be in heaven with Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's when the purification will happen yeah. where it's not going to go back to Mark brought up earlier in chapter 8 that uh, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, there's going to be no more of that. That's going to get wiped out. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, a lot of people say they're, the Big Bang Theory is real. It's going to happen just later. <laughs> Everything's going to implode. Except instead of creating things, yeah, it's going to destroy gonna things. It's going to destroy everything. <laughs> I, love, I love how this covenant started off with God speaking to Noah. And he says, and as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. It's, it's something only God could do. You know, I mean, think about it, how I, I guess we were talking about before we were asking Serge, like, what do you, how would you define covenant? And I don't know if we did. We have we given like a, any, a definition for that while we were recording? Would uh, you want to try to give can, one? I guess, sir, I can paraphrase it. Yeah, I guess. So a covenant requires two or more parties where one party initiates it and sets the um, rules and expectations of the results and they are the ones that are responsible to seeing that covenant through. Party number two or more or the other ones literally do nothing. So can we... It's a one-sided deal, pretty much. Also, like humans can make a covenant, right? Like we can... No, I'm not talking about biblical terms, just in general. Like, is that something, is that, something that we can like do in our lives? Does I mean, that work? You can. Us? It's like me saying, hey, Mark, I'm going to bring lunch for you and your family every Sunday for the rest of your life. And you just eat just lunch. And, and, and that's it. I don't, exp you don't have to say thank you. You don't have to pay me. You don't even have to accept it, but I'm going to do it because I love you. That's cool. That's Mark's me. like, is it legit? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said it, you're doing it <laughs> too late. What I think is cool about though, with that is like, the fact, again, we've been talking about how it's, it's not limited. It's, how it's, do, it's do you deserve that lunch? No, <laughs> but you're going to do it. Anyways. I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> What's cool, though, is that like you're saying that it, since it is one sided, one person is, quote unquote, responsible for completing whatever that covenant entails. What I think is really cool here is that as much as we can or cannot make, quote unquote, covenants with each other as humans, what God did here is something that none of us could do, which is he included Noah and all his descendants in that covenant. That's something that as much as I can promise to you, Serge, I will do this for you. I swear it on my life, whatever you want to say. I, I'm only limited or I am limited by the fact that I'm just a person. I only have so much time in general, let alone on this earth, and I can only impact so much of your life. Like there's only so much I can do for you, let alone your wife, let alone your kids, let alone your grandkids or whatever might happen. But here, 
He's not just talking to Noah. He is setting this standard for all the descendants. It's to me that's just reassuring. Mm-hmm. It, it to me it's it's a sign of hope here. Again, that's kind of the whole point of this covenant. But to me, that furthermore takes this covenant to another level. That look, this isn't just hope for you. This is hope for your kids and your grandkids and and everyone past you as well. That all of you have that reassurance, including us today. You know, I asked in the beginning, how do we make this something that we can quote unquote, make practical in our lives. These are the, those kinds of ways that when you read these kinds of moments of God inter, interceding with mankind, you're this kind of hope that you get from this kind of a passage where you realize God has already established this covenant long, long ago. And he promises that I won't have to worry about this. And I believe it and I know it to be true because it hasn't happened since. And we still see the signs that we re- were read about here, the rainbows in the sky. And so we know that I myself am included in this. I'm part of this as well. Like I am one of those descendants, one of those people who came further down the line. And I, I can have hope in my life knowing that this is true for me as it was for Noah. Mm-hmm. And the better aspect of that, going back to your original questions, can we have covenants among ourselves? You know, the, the honest answer is no, we can't. One, and the main reason for that is because me and you can both do something that will negate or nullify that covenant, mm-hmm. right? Um, here, like for example, with the you food, can, with the food thing, with the food thing, even if you do something as simple as move away, mm-hmm. that's it. Our covenant's mm-hmm. nullified. There's nothing else. There's nothing we do. If you kill, you know, randomly go haywire and decide to kill a random family member of mine, you know, maybe I'll stop bringing food to you then. Our covenant's nullified. But here, uh, why we can't have covenants and God can, and he's the only one that can initiate them is because he's the only one that can see them fully through. Yeah, yeah. And the party, other party is the benefactor. Mm-hmm. From this covenant, God is not the benefactor. He's getting nothing out of this besides the fact that he can't destroy sin like he did before, right? So he's honestly really getting nothing out of this. The thing that he should be getting is our worship and glory and praise to him for this. But ultimately... Here, it's Noah and his descendants that are benefactors of this covenant. And there's nothing that they can or ever do, even his descendants, to nullify this covenant. So I'm happy you touched on that because now we can talk about what an everlasting covenant means. And so I'm glad you said it the way you said it because that is so true. There's nothing that we can, we as humans can do that it's everlasting. Mm-hmm. And so um, when we think about the word everlasting, um, I have not noted down here, it can mean either to the end of time or through eternity future. So what God does here is only a thing that God can do. And I love that you, Mark, that you brought up. It really does show how powerful God is because at this point, he can do this covenant. And as the creator, he has the power to destroy earth again. It doesn't have to be by a flood. He can do it any way he wants, right? Mm-hmm. But he promises He promises Noah, his creation, that yes, to, to your creation, to all your sons and all and all the living things, I won't destroy the world by a flood again. Um, it just shows that, yes, God is ultimately powerful. Um, ultimately, he has the power to do all this, but at the same time, he has the power to do something that's everlasting. So until the end of time, God's covenant is um, active and fulfilled, right? And we can't do that. We're limited. We're limited by many things. So, yeah. so it's actually, now that you brought it up, I was thinking like, can you really do a truthful everlasting covenant? No. No. You can um, do, you know, you can say you can do temporary covenants, right? Yeah. If you want to call it that. Until I probably, further notice. I probably still wouldn't call it a covenant, yeah, right? Yeah. 
But um, so that's interesting. It's it's a very particular thing mm-hmm. between God and His creation, mm-hmm. humans. Yeah, and this covenant it's not limited to humans, right? It's between the creatures as well, all living and things. all living things. So, in, and again, there's nothing that they or we or the earth can do to nullify the covenant. So if you see some dude building a an ark, what are you going to tell him? I mean. Good luck. Good for you. Good for you, man. I guess it's <laughs> it's good to have a hobby. <laughs> I mean, somebody already did that. I'll be like, bro. Ken I mean, Ken Ham already did it. <laughs> yeah, but he's not building it to survive a flood. Honestly, you, you asked the question. You never know. <laughs> you asked the question in the beginning. Why? Have you seen the day after tomorrow? <laughs> or, or is it 2012? <laughs> I don't. I don't worry about a, a flood. God said He ain't oh, gonna man. do it anymore, so I'm I'm not worried. You asked the question why in the beginning. I mean. I think maybe a part of it could be God just needed to clear up with humanity. Like, listen, don't expect doomsday out of me. You know, like that's a very by com- flood. I th- I would say in general. Wait, what, aside the from the end again? of time, well, Alex was saying in the beginning that like we don't one hundred percent know why. Like why God did this? We why can speculate God. from we his can work. speculate from his yeah. words, and yeah, we we have a pretty decent understanding of of what he's trying to infer here. But I I think in general, like I think with the end of chapter eight, he talks about how while the earth earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. I think that is partially a way of saying that life is going to keep moving on until the day I re- until the day. Jesus returns hmm. like that. This is this is one of those things that it's a common thing with religions that there is like a doomsday thing or, you know, God there different religions believe that their God will come and purify or do something, something of magnitude. And this could be a way of God just showing us that, listen, you got nothing to worry about. Listen, uh, as, as until that day comes, you don't have to worry about the sun not coming up tomorrow. It's going to come up tomorrow and you don't have to worry about summer or winter or it's going to happen either way. You know, I, to me, that's kind of how I'm taking this at least. I mean, I think what we talked about already as you know, how and why God established this covenant, at least partially, right? One is to show the fact that no matter how many people he leaves alive, it's going to go back to the way it was mm-hmm. sin and sin again and sin again, right? whether he destroys the world with flood, I mean, disease, whatever the case, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes. Um, If he leaves one family, it's still gonna fall back into sin. That's what happened with Adam and Eve, even though they were in the most perfect environment, Noah, second perfect environment, right? Supposedly, Um, and they always fall back into sin. I think another good reminder or reason as to why God established this covenant and kind of created this flood all in general is not just, you know, to wipe, to pour out his judgment at that time, but also a reminder of us because of the verse that he wrote here, like you read that uh, the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth, that no matter what we might think or what we deserve that or whatever perfect situation we're going to be, but because we are sinners, and we are born sinners, and that's our natural desire is to sin, right? And so even from a young age, like, right, looking at my kids growing up today, I never taught my kid David to hit his little sister, Maddie. I never taught him that. 
but he does that. And every kid's going to go through that, right? That's got younger siblings. Every kid's got to go through that. Um, bullying, you know, being disobedient. You don't teach those things to a kid. They just n- literally like naturally come to them. And so from, it's a reminder for us that people are evil from day one. Not when they get older and able to make, they're evil from day one. And flooding the earth isn't going to fix that. Mark, I see what you're saying. So <laughs> ultimately God is saying, I won't, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. So because of man's sake, I won't curse the ground. He says that he says that strictly in verse 21 after he smells the soothing aroma. But 2 Peter chapter 3, um, that's where we really get the burn by fire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in 2 Peter chapter 3, um, very, very Bible verses that I think are everybody remembers, but... Um, in, in verse 4, I'll start verse 4. Where's the promise of his coming? So verse 3, knowing that, knowing this first, the scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation, which is valid, right? Because God says that winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. Things will continue. It's brought back. But verse 5, for this day will fully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded by water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So, yes, we don't have to think about 2012 again when we wake up. There's not going to be a global catastrophe Mm. that's going to destroy all of humanity. None, except by fire. Um, which Second Peter um, talked about, in which God promised that He is going to destroy sin, sinful men by fire. He's going to destroy all of them. Which world. my point, is why I thought that was important to bring up, is because could you imagine if everything played out the same way, Adam and Eve, everything moved down the same way, sin, Tower of Babel, all that stuff, and then Noah, and the flood happens, same thing. Everything happens exactly the same, but there's no covenant, and we never get this covenant. For the rest of humanity, until that day of judgment, we would all be sitting around thinking, is it going to happen again? What if God does it again? Wait, are we so bad that God will do this again? And it ends up, you're not focusing on the right things. You start focusing on the God of wrath, the God who's going to destroy this world again, like he did before. What God does with this covenant is he solidifies the fact that, listen, you guys do not need to worry about that. What you need to worry about for the rest of eternity until that day of judgment is what's going on in your heart. That is what matters from this point forward because you never have to worry about me coming here and destroying all of you until that day. But at that day, again, the real punishment there, the real danger there at the day of judgment is not the fact that the earth is going to be burning. The real danger there is whether or not you are ready for that day. Yeah, sinful men. It's interesting you point that out. The focus is that, you know, we shouldn't focus on God just possibly destroying the earth again with water or, or whatnot, but, you know, on Christ. Unfortunately, people have been taking that completely the wrong way with mm-hmm. certain movements today, right, with the pride movement and everything that we've taken God's covenant symbol, the, the bow, mm-hmm. and have completely flipped it upside down and used that as an excuse saying we can do whatever you want because God promised that. He's not going to destroy us. I mean, that's just a conversation for another time, but that just kind of goes to show how perverse humanity is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and and going back to, and we're going to be wrapping up s- sooner or later, but going back to everlasting covenants, um, I do want to mention that there was five everlasting covenants. And so um, as an encouragement to those listening, do some homework and, and look some of these up. Um, we know that the other four, other than the Noah, Noahic covenant, is the Abrahamic covenant, which is in Genesis chapter 17, verse 7 and on. You can read that. Uh, there is the priestly covenant, which is Numbers chapter 25, 10 through 13. The Davidic covenant, 2 Samuel 23, 5. And the fourth one, the new covenant in Jeremiah 32, 40. Um, those are covenants that, again, God, out of his own will, spoke forward and and gave these covenants to humanity. Um, and it's also interesting, we, we're not going to get into it too much today, but there is a sign of the covenant, right? And so we see that God made a sign of a covenant that um, he says that I set my rainbow in the cloud, that it should be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So all those other covenants, there is some sort of sign behind those two. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to kind of go back and read those and see how um, how relatable some of them mm-hmm. actually are. Um, and one last note um, of the six uh, explicit mentioned covenants, uh, only the Mosaic and the Old Covenant was nullified. So do some homework there. It's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Anything else to add? I think we're good. I think we covered it up. Um, I'm sure there's a lot to add, but I think that's... There's definitely a lot to add, yeah. Too too deep, but I think where we are is right now. It's good reminders about how God is, is faithful to his covenants, to his people, to his creation, even though many times we are not. So it's definitely good. Just think to yourself, God did not have to do this. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why he had to do this, but he did. Um, And to to think that it is already wonderful and amazing and and so hard to kind of comprehend in our human mind why God would do this with Noah and his descendants, all living creatures. Why? When it's been sin continually, when it's been evil, when it's been everything against God, and he built, he sent Noah to build the ark, nobody went on the ark. Like, if we think about disrespect to your creator, I mean, you're talking way up there, right? And you can ask yourself, like, God, why, how could you? Again, we have to be careful. We can't question God. Mm-hmm. He is the creator, ultimately. Um, he does what he deems necessary, but but still... It's such a marvelous thing that God even chose to even do this to to Noah, and uh, like this grace is just is just amazing, and it's there. Um, and I, we we touched on it a couple times, but I feel like we haven't fully said it. Just the fact that this whole covenant was kind of like the cherry on top was the rainbow. Mm-hmm. And I know you touched on it, Serge, but just from from the beauty of that little aspect, like you're saying, Alex, the fact that this happens at all is a blessing to humanity. But just on top of that, the fact that God is like, well, listen, along with that covenant, I'm going to give you guys something that is something that is visceral, something that you will be reminded on a regular basis when it rains and the sun shines through those clouds and you see that beautiful rainbow, like there is a meaning to that. And it's something that for the rest of mankind, we will be able to look upon that rainbow and see God's love, mercy, and grace for his people. And to me, that's just like, that's just perfect. It's perfect because that is a sign of hope for Noah and his kids. It's a sign of hope for all of us sitting here. 
as as good or bad as our lives can get, as good as as good or bad as this world can get, because I know it's getting pretty nasty out there. It's pretty scary about what's going on, and and a lot of us are unsure about what's going to be happening in the next couple of decades or the next couple of years, let alone decades. But these simple little things that God gave us, like a rainbow, just a sign of hope that listen, I'm here. My covenant is real. It was real with Noah. It's real with you. Find that peace in your relationship with me and and just move on with your life and know that I am here. I have always been here and I always will be here. Amen. Let's pray. Mm-hmm. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time again that you remind us of your wonderful truths in scripture about your covenant that you established with mankind about the you will never destroy the earth with water again because there's really almost no point to that because we are still evil from our youth, Lord, but you continue to love us. You remind us of your love, mercy, and grace for us through the covenant sign of the rainbow, Lord, and we were so thankful for that, that you bestowed that upon us, and we don't deserve it, but you are faithful, even though we many times are not faithful, Lord, and I pray for those listening today that if they are finding themselves right now to be not faithful or far away from you, Lord, I pray that you draw them, that you help them answer the call, and that they may give their lives to you for your glory alone. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope God was able to speak to your heart. So now you can go and share it with others. Feel free to leave any questions, prayer requests, or blessings. Join us on Instagram and share our podcast with others. And remember, always keep your heart in scripture.